model prayer, just kind of a, a blueprint, uh, if you will. And uh, of course, that's the title of our series that we're start, we started last week. Uh, but verses 9 through 13 says this, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth that is in, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And uh, let's go ahead and pray uh, to that end. Lord, uh, we do thank you for the fact that you are our Heavenly Father and that you care for us, that you love us, uh, but that you do reside in heaven. And uh, Lord, help us to remember who you really are as we come to you in prayer. And uh, Father, we do pray that you would uh, bless this time, help, it, help us to learn, help us to grow, and uh, help us to uh, listen well and, and uh, learn all these things, but then help us to uh, implement and apply uh, these truths into our own prayer lives. And uh, Lord, help us to learn from the Master as, he, uh, as you teach us here regarding prayer. And uh, we'll thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this year, what I wanted to do, at least for the good chunk of the year, is to focus in on prayer, to learn what it means to pray. And I think that uh, that's one area that a lot of us know about, but we don't do enough of. Um, it's one thing to talk about prayer, it's one thing to understand what it is and to know all the ins and outs of it, but it's another thing to actually uh, pray. And, and uh, in Luke chapter 11, in verse number 1, the disciples asked Jesus to, they said, teach us to pray. It wasn't necessarily just how to pray, although that's implied there as well, but uh, to teach us to pray, and that's what we need to be uh, taught to do. And so as... They asked that question. Jesus responded with uh, the Lord's Prayer here, the model prayer. And uh, last week, we, uh, we just kind of skimmed verses 5 through 8. And uh, remember, we talked about in verses 5 and, and 6, the idea is to pray in secret, to not be all public about it, and to notify everybody of your uh, prayer life. Uh, that's a, a part of our life that is supposed to be secret. And of course, I'm the one who does a lot of public prayer. Um, and so I guess in, in a sense, I already have my reward here. And that's what he's saying. Those who love to pray and get attention because of their prayer and how flowery and eloquent they are in their prayers, they, they already have their reward. But those who uh, have a secret uh, closet that they uh, go to and it's just them and the Lord and they're the only ones that know that they're there um, and it's a secret time. Uh, then the Lord does decide, does want to uh, openly reward them. And then he talks in verse 7 about the uh, not using vain repetitions and uh, not, not just taking these memorized words and quoting them over and over and over again without any heart, without any meaning, without any uh, really thought. Uh, that's not how we're supposed to pray. And of course, there are some religions that teach that that is how you are supposed to pray. Um, you, they prescribe you a certain amount of Lord's Prayers, certain amount of Hail Marys, and uh, those are going to give you favor with God. And uh, that is not the case. That's a direct uh, contradiction to verse number 7 here. And uh, verse number 8 tells us that 
the Lord already knows what we're going to ask, and he already knows our needs because he is omniscient, because he knows everything. He already knows what we're going to ask. He already knows all of our needs. By the way, he knows all of our needs way better than we know our needs. I mean, we, we think we kind of know what we need. Uh, no, the Lord actually knows what they are even more than we do. Um, he already knows what we're going to ask, and so then why pray? Well, the reason for prayer is not necessarily to inform God, because again, if that was the case, then God wouldn't be God. Uh, we don't need to make him aware of the different needs in our lives. But the idea is that as we come into prayer, we're actually aligning ourselves up with him. Instead of him aligning, getting him to align with our needs and wants. What it does is it causes me to go, okay, I'm going to, and, and, and as we get into this prayer, you see that because, you know, a lot of times when we pray, we're like, okay, I'm going to go to my genie now and rub the lamp and say, okay, genie, here's what I want you to do in my life. But that's not, that's not what we see here. Um, in verse, verse 9 and 10, there's these first two verses that have nothing to do with my wants at all or my needs at all. It's all about him, and it's all about his desires. Uh, verse 9, he says, Our Father which art in heaven, and last week we looked at, first of all, the Lord's person. And uh, we talked about the fact that that points to our relationship with him. He's our Father. And so when we, when we come to him, we're uh, coming to him as a father or a child would come to his dad. And uh, and. Again, I know that a lot of people didn't have the best relationship with their earthly father, but you, you picture the, the greatest human father-son relationship, and this, this relationship we have is far greater uh, because God is the perfect father. He, he never does anything wrong. Everything he does is right. And so we, we talked about the Lord's person in this and how it speaks of our relationship with God. And uh, it is a blessing to have him as our father. But then it said, our father, which art in heaven, um, that there's a balance between the intimacy uh, of having this heavenly father, this, this father, but we need to remember also who this father is and uh, where he resides. He resides in heaven. And uh, that should help us to remember the balance that we're to have when we come before the Lord. Yes, we can come anytime, anywhere, for as long as we want, but we're coming into the presence of God, and that's we need to remember. And so, our Father, which art in heaven, that kind of puts us in the right frame of mind, where we have this intimate relationship with God, but we also understand who He is, okay? And then it says, hallowed be your name. And uh, we talked about the Lord's praise under that thought, um, we looked at the fact that he is holy, um, he is pure, and, uh, and he needs to be holy and pure in our lives. And uh, that's what we talked a little bit about last week. And then thirdly, we mentioned the Lord's priority in uh, verse number 10. Thy kingdom come. In other words, Lord, I want you to rule and reign first in my own heart, and then I want you to... Uh, rule and reign in the hearts of those around me and those in this world, and ultimately that you would come back soon and rule and reign physically, literally here on this earth. And I'm looking forward to that day, and that'll be some inauguration, won't it? 
when he comes and takes the throne, I mean, that's going to be pretty amazing. I mean, uh, and there'll be no masks, hopefully, at that time, too. Amen. So that one day the Lord would rule and reign, and again, that he would rule and reign in my own heart. And so when the prayer is, uh, thy kingdom come, that's what you're praying is, Lord, please rule and reign in my heart. I want your kingdom to be, uh, you to be on the throne of my heart, for me not to kick you off and uh, to let me uh, be in that place. No, no, I want you to rule and reign. And then we also talked about submitting to the will of God in that, in verse number 9 or 10, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And the idea is that before I'm ever asking God for anything that we would typically mention in prayer, uh, we're saying, Lord, I want your will to be done. And if what I'm asking is not according to your will <clears throat> for my life or for your, within your will, I'm okay with it not being uh, answered. Um, remember, Jesus prayed that in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want this cup that I'm about to taste of. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so that's what we talked about last week, just to bring us back up to speed. So this is all before we ever ask God for anything. And the idea is that we're <clears throat> not treating God like a genie, where we're just like, okay, uh, I need something now. But that we're going before his presence with the right mindset, with the right understanding of who he is, and having the right heart to allow him to have his will done in my life. Before we ever say, oh, by the way, can I have a brand new Mercedes Benz? Uh, because that may not be within the will of God, and I need to be okay with that. Okay, and I'm kind of using that as in being facetious on that, but let's take it into a real prayer request. Lord, I've got a loved one that's uh, really sick, and it's not looking good. Please raise them up. Well, I also need to be okay with the will of God that it may be God's will for them to take them home. I mean, you know, for, for, for me, um, if I'm super sick and, and it's not looking good, I mean, I want to stay around for my family. I want to stay around for, you know, to keep serving God and all that. But at the same time, you know, for me, for to me to live as Christ, but to die as gain, like, please don't pray that I don't go to heaven because I want to be there, you know. And I'd rather be there than sit here with all this pain and suffering and all that, but I'm willing to do what God wants. And, uh, and, and that's the mindset and the heart that we're to have as we go before the Lord, okay? And by the way, when we pray, uh, it's not all about what we want. And as I was studying this out, you know, you kind of go, okay, well, you, you got to kind of say all that stuff first, and then you get to okay, here's the real part of prayer, and that is, okay, Lord, I need this, 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 and that. Um, see, when we pray, it's not about getting what we want. It's, it's many times us getting us to want what God wants. Does that make sense? Well, let me say that again. When we pray, it's not all about what, getting what we want. It's many times about us getting, getting us to want what God wants for our life. Um, and, and having the verse 9 and 10 kind of helps us get into that right mindset before we go, yeah, by the way, I need this new job because I think it's right for me. Well, maybe it's not right for you, and you need to be okay with that. And, and having these verse 9 and 10 kind of filter you before you start asking for things. Okay, 
Uh, so th that was uh, basically what we talked about last week. And uh, boy, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through all of it today. Um, I hoped to have this done in two weeks, but uh, I don't know. As I was putting the notes together, I was like, oh boy, this is a lot. <clears throat> so I want to have some time for actual prayer at the end of the service too. So we'll see. All right, number, number four. Uh, we saw, first of all, number one was the Lord's person, number two, Lord's praise, number three, the Lord's uh, priority, but number four tonight, the Lord's provision, the Lord's provision, uh, and that's found in verse number 11, where we're supposed to pray, give us this day our daily bread, the Lord's provision, and uh, the Lord does want to provide for us, being that he's our heavenly father, he wants to take care of his children. And he does so, and he does so better than I take care of my own children. Uh, my children would probably say a hearty amen to that. Uh, because uh, like tonight, for instance, I would guarantee tonight on the way home from church, they're going to say, can we have something to eat? And, uh, you know, I don't always like to give them something to eat on Wednesday nights. Uh, but they always like to eat on Wednesday nights after church without fail. It doesn't matter if they have the biggest dinner ever before church. After church, just going to church evidently for them makes them hungry. Um, and so I guess it, you know, you know they, they, they build up an appetite going to church. Well, uh, I don't always let them. And so I'm not always the nicest dad ever. Um, but the Lord does take care of us. And he does want to meet our needs. And so when, he's, when, when we're supposed to pray here, give us this day our daily bread. God does want to bless us. God does want to take care of us. Um, David said that he has never seen the righteous suffer uh, to the point where they're begging bread. He takes care of his children. He does. Uh, now, what this uh, insinuates here and what it shows us, and, it, and we see it here, is first of all, under this, this thought, we see our dependence upon God. Give us this day our daily bread. They're not asking the government. This isn't a prayer to government. This is a prayer to God, isn't it? And, uh, and he's the one that can help us. Um, a lot of people are praying to the government, please give us this day our daily bread. Please give us this day our daily stimulus package, our COVID recovery uh, situation. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't fight it when it hit my bank account. I'll just be honest. <laughs> I didn't, like, send it back, like, write a check back to the government. I, I didn't. <laughs> um, but... Uh, the idea is that God is the one who where our dependence should be, right? Not, not on government and uh, not on somebody else, but on the Lord. Uh, we need to be careful, too, those of us in America, those of us who uh, have been richly blessed, to not put our dependence even on our possessions. Um, if you turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6, you want to kind of keep your place there in Matthew 6, but uh, we'll be looking at a couple passages here as we go, go along. But 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Again, this is basically instruction that Paul's giving Timothy to, uh, on how to pastor, on how to lead his church, and some things to teach, some things to encourage his people with. And uh, in chapter 6, he kind of hits this area of finances. And he hits it pretty strong. Uh, verse number... Uh, Let's see here, verse number six, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. A lot of people were, th were thinking that I've got great gain because I've got a lot of possessions. 
And he says, no, no, teach them that godliness with contentment is great gain. That's the definition of success. That's the definition of being wealthy is having uh, godliness and contentment. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Um, I mean, all of you have probably heard how, you know, you've never seen uh, a U-Haul connected to a hearse. And then somebody actually did that once and put a picture and said, okay, so I guess that that, that does happen. <laughs> um, but the idea is you can't take, you know, you can't take all of this with you, all the possessions that you and I accumulate, all the toys and all the, uh, you know, the big 401ks and all the retirement package and all that. You can't take that with you. Um, and that's what he's saying here. We brought nothing into this world. Certainly can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content or be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful us, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, money's not the root of all evil. Praise the Lord, because, again, I like to have it. But if we love it so much that we chase it and chase it and chase it and have to have more, and we're never satisfied, and we just got to keep getting more. The love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So Paul here hits on finances in verses 6 through verse 10. Then he kind of gets into some other areas, but guess what? He comes back to finances again. You know, it's kind of like a preacher who says, oh yeah, one more thing I forgot to bring up regarding that. And uh, here it is in verse number 17. He goes, charge them that are rich in this world. And just in case you're wondering, that's all of us in this room. And those of you who are watching, you know, on a smart device or a smart TV or something, that's, that's all of us. Okay. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, and here it is, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. There are a lot of people who are trusting and depending upon their finances and their wealth instead of God. Uh, and uh, going back to Matthew 6, he says, give us this day our daily bread the idea is there is a dependence upon the Lord, uh, a daily dependence upon the Lord, but uh, it, he's, we're depending upon the Lord, not on our bank account, not on the government again, not even on our jobs. We're depending upon the Lord, um, even our own money uh, for right now, still says something on every coin and every dollar bill or type of currency we have. It says something on there. Can somebody help me with what that says? In God we trust, okay? Not in government we trust, in God we trust. And that's a reminder that those who, and I don't have the history in my mind here, uh, or written out on, on when exactly that was added to our currency, but, but it was added with the idea that we would always or we would never put our trust in that money, but that we would keep our trust in the Lord. Um, and so, as we read here in verse 11 of chapter 6, give us this day our daily bread, it's an encouragement to keep trusting in the Lord and that He is the one we go to, not someone else. 
Uh, not, well, if I could just grow my business, or if I could just win the lottery, or if I can just get that inheritance someday, then everything will work. No, keep your dependence upon the Lord. And, and when we uh, have this prayer time, it keeps that dependence upon the Lord as well. I'm asking you to turn to Deuteronomy, uh, an Old Testament passage as well, that encourages us to not put our dependence upon ourselves when it comes to our meeting our needs. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. And uh, I was looking at this whole chapter and I was like, man, I really want to read the whole chapter to everybody, but I think for sake of time, I'll just read verse 1 and then uh, we'll probably skip a few verses, but not many, okay? Uh, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 1, it says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. So this is uh, God's instruction to the Israelites as they uh, get ready to go into the promised land. And verse 2 says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Okay, but then let's pick it up in verse number six. So I'm going to skip two verses. There we go. For sake of time. Uh, verse six. Therefore uh, thou shalt keep the commandment, commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains, depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he had given thee. Beware, though, verse 11, that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the, that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy later end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers. And see, what he was saying is like, he's like, folks, I'm about to pour out the windows of heaven blessings and abundant blessings. I mean, you're going to increase, you're going to multiply. I mean, you're going to be building houses. I mean, things are going to be great. I mean, the economy is going to be booming for you. But you better be careful that you don't stop depending upon me. You better not forget me and stop keeping my commandments. 
And uh, you're going to get to the point where, you know, you build all this stuff and you get all this wealth and all of a sudden you start thinking it was you that got it. So all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, well, you know, I am kind of a business minded person and, uh, you know, I'm really good at negotiating. And, and so that's why my business is going so well. And you begin to start to take the credit for your wealth. And God says, be careful because it's not you that did it. It was me that blessed you. It was me that gave you all the, bil- the abilities to do all that. Don't forget where it all came from. And uh, we've got to be careful here in America because as we went through the list of blessings there in Deuteronomy chapter 8, that's America. I mean, we have, uh, we have more than we could want. I mean, you just drive down 19th Street in, in Moore. I mean, there are more chicken places in Moore. Okay, there's Raising Cane's, there's Chick-fil-A, amen. Um, there's Zaxby's, there's Slim Chickens, there's Chicken Express. And uh, there's probably more that I'm not thinking of. I think probably Carl's Jr. has some chicken sandwiches if you wanted some. They have chicken strips. I mean, there's so much there. We are so blessed to live here in America. And I'm not saying we need to feel guilty about it, but... But let's not say, well, we deserve this, and uh, all of a sudden stop depending upon God. Um, and I know I'm kind of harping on this, and, and I'm not getting very far tonight, but that's okay. Uh, this is uh, helpful for us to remember to keep depending upon the Lord and to put our dependence upon Him. Uh, the problem is, you know, we are, you know, we have here in America the Declaration of Independence. And uh, all of us, at times, have our own declaration of independence from God. Like, hey, I don't need you in this area of my life because, you know, I've got it. No, no, we don't have it. We need him to provide all of our needs. And uh, all the good things that have come in our life are because of his blessing. And we need to remember that. Okay, a couple more verses and references before we move on to letter B. We're not getting very far tonight, but that's okay. Um, Psalm 20 and verse number 7. Turn there, but that reference says this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. What are you trusting in? Where is your dependence tonight? Some are trusting in the might of our military. Now, uh, it wasn't... It wasn't this summer, it was the first summer we were here in 2019 when uh, the Blue Angels came by and uh, we went to that air show over at Tinker. And uh, I was thankful to be an American when I saw the firepower there with those planes, especially that F-16 flying by. I was carrying, my, I was carrying a, like a slushy or something, a red slushy, had a white Under Armour polo shirt on. I was, car- I was carrying this red slushy and I was going to take it back to... Um, Mark and uh, Faith, I believe, were with me, and uh, we were all going to share this red slushy together, and this F-16 comes, and it flies right by me, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> and all that slushy went all over my shirt, and I was like, oh, Julie's going to kill me. <laughs> it took her like 80 times to, to wash that, to get it all out, but um, the, I, was, I was thankful to be an American at that point. You know, we've got all this you know, all these airplanes and these fighter jets, and I'm like, amen, I'm glad I'm, they're on my side, you know. But again, 
more important than trusting in our government and in our military might. Uh, we need to have our dependence upon the Lord. Um, and even, even with all that's going on tonight uh, with uh, COVID and everything and the vaccines and the different treatments and all of that and even, even masks, um, we, you know, not to say we, we don't need to be wise and prudent, but um, where is our dependence? Is it on something that somebody's going to put into our body? Or is it upon the Lord? Again, I'm not trying to preach against anything here. I'm just trying to make sure that all of us are depending upon the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 31 in uh, verse number 1. Okay, could you turn over there? Because I want you to see this. Isaiah 31 verse 1. Isaiah 31 1. Because this has to do totally with our theme for the year, keeping our eyes on the Lord, looking unto Jesus. Isaiah 31.1. Here the Lord says, Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help. Remember, for those of us who are familiar with the Egypt and the picture there, it's a type of the world. Um, Abraham went down to Egypt when there was a famine, and he ended up... Uh, that, that led to other things that, that were not good. He ended up lying about his wife, and uh, it was, a, it was a not a good situation. And, and over and over in the Word of God, every time someone goes down to Egypt, for the most part, it's, it's a negative thing. The negative results come from it. And so here he says, Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help, and stay on horses, and trust in chariots. There's another reference to that. Because they are many, and in horsemen, because they are very strong, but they look not to the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Uh, just want to encourage all of us tonight to keep our dependence upon the Lord and not to look for answers outside of God. Again, we also need to be reminded that, in practically speaking, I mean, uh, we, can, we can be wise and all of that, but we need to keep our dependence upon the Lord. That's where our trust and confidence needs to be. Uh, another reference, you don't need to turn there, Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Okay, I wished the election went a different way. But still, uh, if I'm putting my confidence in a man who p sits in a circle office, an oval office... Uh, not to say that I don't care and I'm not concerned, but our confidence, our trust needs to be in the Lord, not in some man. The next verse says that it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And princes back then meant the future of our countries in, you know, the son of the king. And I'm putting my confidence that one day when he takes the throne, I mean, all is going to be well, and I'm just trusting all of that. Well, don't put your confidence in princes. Don't put your confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man or in princes. And so that's the encouragement for tonight. Uh, Great is thy faithfulness. Most of us are familiar with that hymn and love it very much. It says this, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. 
Um, let's not forget that. All I've needed, it was your hand, Lord, that has provided that. Not the government and uh, not, you know, maybe he's, maybe God, you're using the government to help and to provide. But ultimately, Lord, it's you. And I'm going to keep my dependence upon you. And when he says here in, back in Matthew chapter 6, big rabbit trail here. But uh, give us this day our daily bread. Bread, uh, yes, it means uh, food and sustenance, physical, but it also means spiritual. And while we do need physical food to survive, and some of us uh, are doing more than surviving, we are thriving. Uh, I know, I'm talking to me, brother. I'm talking to me. Uh, As I do this, there's three fingers pointing back at me. (laughs) I am thriving too much. but more importantly than the physical food, I mean, of course, we do need that to survive. But more importantly, we need the word of God as well to survive uh, mentally and, and just emotionally in this crazy world, don't we? Uh, we need to have the right perspective. And if we don't have a daily diet of God's word, it's going to cause us to just lose our perspective. And we're going to get swept away with all that's going on. And so we, we need the bread which is, yes, physical food, but spiritual food. And Jesus said, Matthew 4, 4, in reference to the verse we read in Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So that's letter A. We didn't do very good tonight. I'm going to get to letter B, and then we're going we're gonna to stop there. How about that? And so we see here uh, our dependence upon God, but then we also see our need to come daily to God. We see here in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. So two times in this verse, it's kind of like a once a day thing or every day that we're supposed to be coming. So it's not a one-time deal. It's not, hey, I got saved and Lord, please provide all of my needs. And then I never need to ask again because, you know, God's all powerful. He can do it. And I never need to ask again. No, it insinuates a uh, daily uh, approaching the Lord, uh, a daily appointment with God to ask for His uh, provision in your life. Um, you think about it uh, in a, when it comes to a relationship with your spouse. Like, for instance, my wife and I. Uh, let's say that, uh, you know, we got married on July 1st, 2000. And, uh, you know, I said, uh, hey, babe, I love you. And uh, I am glad we got married. And that was the last thing I said to her. I meant it, but it was like 20, almost 20, 20 and a half years ago we've been married. If that was the last time I've talked to her, how, how strong do you think our marriage would be right now? Uh, do you think we would be married right now? <laughs> uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. I don't think our marriage, if we were, I don't think our marriage would be very strong and we wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't really like me all that much. Uh, she needs to talk with me and she wants me to talk with her. Now, she wants to talk to me more than she wants me to talk to her. But um, the, the idea is, look, it, it, needs to be, it needs to be an ongoing thing, a daily relationship. Well, what if I only talked to her and I only came to her when I needed something? And so, like, weeks go by, and then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, when are you going to do my laundry? 
can you do my laundry for me today, please? Oh, thou my lovely wife. And then that's it. And then, you know, a couple days go by and I'm like, hey, babe, when are you going to make me something good for dinner? Can you do that for me, please? And I really love you. Three days go by and nothing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, babe, uh, can you make me a lunch to take with me to, to work? And that's, this is the, like, the extent of our relationship. You think our relationship would be all that good? No, obviously not. I mean, I would probably have some slap marks on my face before too long, right? If that's the only time I come to her and is when I need something and, and all this time goes by, and that's no relationship. But you know, and you know where I'm getting with this, this is how a lot of Christians treat prayer, treat the Lord. Uh, they let all this time goes by, and then all of a sudden there's a crisis, and, oh, Lord, please help in this situation. The Lord's like, well, where have you been the last three months? A lot of times, and I don't know this to be sure in every situation, but I do believe God allows trials in our lives and crises to cause us to come back with the idea that we would stay back, that we would stay on our knees, not that we would, you know, once in a while, okay, that crisis is over, and we'll see you again when the next crisis comes, Lord, when I need something again. See, that's how a lot of people do treat uh, prayer. But it's supposed to be a daily relationship, a daily situation. Um, I do thank God for our marriage. Um, it's because one of the things that I can attribute it to, I think, is because we do communicate. Uh, now, sometimes it's busy and we don't communicate as well as we do other times. But for the most part, we have a good communication and that's what's necessary in our relationship with God, too, is a good communication. And she's good at talking to me um, better than I am at talking to her, cause, mainly because she's a woman and women have, like to talk, and uh, men not as much. Uh, here's a couple verses, and then uh, we'll wrap it up tonight. Psalm 55, verse 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. It's not January and August and September that I pray and cry aloud. But for some Christians, that's what it is. And it's not even Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night is the only time I pray. It's... There's a regular, there's a, it's an often situation. And we've talked about praying without ceasing, being in a constant state of prayer, just keeping that conversation going as you go through your day and in your week and in your life. Psalm 68, uh, well, let me do one more. Psalm 86, verse 3. Here David said, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee monthly. I cry unto thee yearly. No, I cry unto thee daily, David said. David said, it's every day that I'm finding time to make my requests made known to the Lord. Uh, again, he knows what they are before I ask, but I'm crying unto him. I'm asking, uh, I'm understanding who he is, and I'm submitting my will to him. But I'm also asking for this day my daily bread. 
I'm crying to thee daily. And so just an encouragement for us tonight as we look at these, well, how many words is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. And uh, we spent a whole, uh, a whole service on seven words. Uh, but these seven words are important. And uh, to keep our dependence upon God when, it, when we, throughout our life, but in our prayer life as well. But then we need to come, to, we need to come daily to God, not just you know, once in a blue moon when things are bad. Uh, but to come on a daily basis and to have that relationship with God, to, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, be connected with Him in, in, in conversation so He can hear your heart and you can, most importantly, so he can, you can hear His. Um, and that's, that's one of the values of prayer. Okay, I was really thinking we might get through the whole thing. I only got through one point tonight. 